That was wonderful. Thank y'all. Um, so, tonight, come on now. Y'all about got out of it. It wasn't unlocked for me. So, tonight <clears throat> is one week that um, Brother Barry finished his study of Revelation. And in the study of Revelation, we have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then the glorious. We, we've seen every stretch from notes to churches to Satan falling from the sky to a new Jerusalem, a new temple. I mean, we've, we've seen everything. But there's one thing that's for sure is that we don't know exactly when that's going to happen. Now, since we don't know when that's going to happen, we have to stand firm where we are today. And so that's, that's what I felt the Lord pulling me to speak on tonight was, was to stand firm. And, you know, I got to thinking about stand firm, and, and it's one of those sayings that is repeated multiple, multiple times in the New Testament. Paul says it. It seems like every other book, every one that he writes, he's got some point in it where he says to stand firm. And I know sometimes, I don't know about y'all, but I'm guilty of when I'm reading these things, I kind of skip over that. Um, I, I skip over stand firm specifically just because it seems like it's something that should be natural. It should come natural. However, it's something that we have to purposefully do. And I didn't quite see that until studying for this sermon um, it's no secret that we are under an unending attack from Satan. 24-7, 365, no holidays, no leap years, there is no break. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And like I said, this, this pursuit is, is an unending. There is no relent in this pursuit of trying to find someone to, to devour. So we need to be ready for when he attacks. We need to have our feet firmly planted and be standing firm for when this, this happens. So as I was preparing for this, I was like, okay, I had three questions come to mind about standing firm. The first one was, what does it mean to stand firm? Second one is, why do we stand firm? And then the third being, how? How do we stand firm? And I'm going to be honest with y'all, I feel absolutely terrible that I don't really have anything to read for a long time out of the Bible, and I'm severely against preaching when it's not backed by Scripture. And I'm not saying that what I'm, what I'm fixing to preach is not backed by Scripture. I just don't have anywhere, like, if y'all want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, but I'm not going to get there until almost time to leave. But um, I am going to be reading from Scripture, don't worry. I'm not going to be up here and try to fill everybody full of wonderfully fake good news. But I come to the first question, and that is, what does it mean to stand firm? So one thing that we need to see with standing firm is that it is an action. Standing firm is something we do. It's not something that's necessarily passive. I think that we can get to a point to where our standing firm is seemingly passive. And when I say seemingly passive, I think of our heart beating. You know, we don't have to sit here and tell our heart beat, beat, beat. It does its job. And I believe that if we study 
enough of God's word and we spend enough time with him and through the sanctification process as we grow with him, that standing firm becomes more second nature. Um, we, we tend to be able to resist stuff that we would have otherwise struggled with. We tend to resist the stuff that was a major struggle when we were very young in the faith. But like I said, it's something that we have to do. It's an action we have to work towards. So I got to thinking, and I was like, all right, well, stand firm. Stand firm is a phrase, but it's a phrase made of two words. And I don't want to go back to school and give an English lesson, lesson but it really, it really fits this. So the word stand, according to Webster's Dictionary, says to support, some, to support oneself on the feet in an erect position. So the only thing that I have against this definition and where I'm going is we can't support ourselves when we're standing firm. We can't do it. When I'm being attacked and I'm trying to stand on my own two feet, I'm going to fall 100 out of 100 times. There is absolutely no way that I can resist Satan. There's no way that anyone can resist Satan on our own, on your own. There's no way. It has to be through Christ. Christ supports us and not ourselves. We don't support ourselves. He is the one that helps us stand, but not only stand, but stand in himself. Um, also, I wanted to notice that it says that it's an erect position, meaning it's standing straight. It's not laying on the floor on your face or on your back. You know, this is, this is standing facing where you can see what's coming, where you can prepare you can prepare. If I'm looking down this aisle and all of a sudden that door opens, I can see who's standing in that door. But if, it, if someone catches me lacking, if, if Satan comes into my life and he's like, all right, well, I've got this special concoction form just for Holt and I'm laying here taking a nap and that door opens, I've missed it all. We have to be standing and facing. We have to see what's coming towards us. Stand supported to face what's coming. The next part of that phrase being firm. Now, firm is an adjective, but now it's an adverb because it's helping describe the verb of stand. So how do we stand? Firm, the adverb would be securely or solidly fixed in one place, not weak or uncertain. I really, I really want to hang on to that last bit, not weak or uncertain. How many of us are weak and uncertain in our faith? And how many times are we weak and uncertain in our faith? And I don't know about y'all, but I have learned that the times that I am weak and uncertain in my faith is when I'm trying to support myself, when I'm trying to stand on my own two feet and I'm trying to fight the battles that I can't handle. I'm trying to resist Satan when there's absolutely no way that I can resist anything that he has. Um, I, I love the saying, I've heard it several times, is, you want to be the type of person that when you wake up in the morning that Satan's like, oh man, it's him again. And I don't remember where I heard it, but that's wonderful. However, we don't stand a chance against Satan. And that's true. That is fact. That is 100% fact. Holt Lashley can do nothing against the devil. But when I have Jesus in me, all of a sudden the devil appears about like this this tiny little insignificant thing. He's not, but when we have Jesus, he seems that way because he is to Jesus. So standing firm is intentional and purposeful. Purposeful. It's not something that just happens by chance. 
and you have to mean to stand firm. So the Greek word, they use one word for this phrase in Scripture, and it's steko, S-T-E-K-O. And this word is also used for perseverance. When I, I, I read that, and I thought, all right, well, that's exactly what we're doing. We're standing firm to persevere through the trials that are thrown in our way. And so my mind moved, and it moved me in the direction, and it took me to James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. And in the New International Version, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. These trials are opportunities for us to stand firm in the faith. This, this, these trials that we're in are, is an opportunity for us to, to strengthen that part of us. Um, I don't know if y'all have ever heard this before, but one of the things that I've heard forever is never, ever, ever pray for patience because God just doesn't give you a basket of patience. He says, here's your situation. Learn to be patient. And <clears throat> I'm not saying don't pray for patience. I suggest to pray for patience because if you're anything like me, of all the fruits of the Spirit, that one I kind of want to scratch out in my Bible. I can't, but I, I struggle with patience. I'm terrible at it. But that's one of the things we have, to, we have to build that strength. We have to build that strength, and we have to use these opportunities. We have to use these trials as opportunities to build that. And <clears throat> when we do, we find out that standing firm is actually faithful perseverance. We stand firm in our faith and persevere through whatever the situation. So then I come to the next question. Why do we stand firm? And why do we stand firm? The easy answer is, just like I said earlier, First uh, Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to destroy. Uh, you know, that's, that's the easy answer. Why do we stand firm? We stand firm to resist the devil. But, again, I got to thinking very deep about resisting. And I went from resisting to protecting. And our standing firm is to protect ourselves. However, it's not, all, it's not only protecting ourselves, but it's also protecting God. And I don't want y'all to throw me out for blasphemy. I'm not trying to say that we can stand in the gap and protect God. But when, what I'm saying is, is I've, I've told the youth this before, and I've said this several times to the the guys I've mentored, and, and that's that um, Satan, the devil, does not love you. He does not want anything good for you. He has nothing good to offer you. It looks good. It looks good when he says, hey, you know, it's like Brother John said this morning, enjoy your sin for right now. Enjoy it. You know, it, it seems joyful right now, but the fact is that all Satan wants to do through you is harm God. And Satan knows that we are one of the fast tracks to get to him. Because if he can distract me, if he can go so far as to help me turn my back completely on God, then he has injured God really, really, really bad, really badly. You, I mean, again, we, we can't protect God, but we can use our standing firm to passively protect him, I guess, as a a way to say it. Um, <clears throat> but there is more, there's more to it than just staying watchful against Satan. 
and when I say that also, I think of there's more than just the, the demonic forces. I know Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I know we battle that, but that influences a lot of what's going on around us. And to say that, I thought of, since I was in Ephesians, I thought of Ephesus. I thought of ancient Ephesus. And as I got to thinking about it, <clears throat> I was like, you know, Ephesus, that church in Ephesus had fantastic opportunities to stand firm. The reason I say that is, you know, Ephesus was a major port city. You know, they had one of the, the booming ports of the time. The city hosted around 250,000 residents. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. And with it being a port city and having so many residents, you know, with the ports, there's new faces and thoughts and beliefs and religions and everything coming in and out of that port on a daily basis. Bringing in filth, bringing in good. I mean, there's just so much going on. Not only that, but Ephesus was known because it had several different public bathhouses. And in these bathhouses were a bunch of terrible, unspeakable obscenities people would perform in there. But the main thing that the church in Ephesus had going against it was this beautiful, beautiful temple. And it was the temple of Artemis. And it was actually one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And Artemis is the Greek goddess for several different things, for the, the woods, the hunting. I mean, she, she had several things going for her, but one of them was fertility and childbirth. And one of the ways that these people would worship Artemis, ah, not Artemis, yeah, Artemis, sorry. One of the ways that they would worship Artemis was having orgies in the temple, having orgies in these bathhouses, you know, committing terrible sexual acts with each other, with same sex, with opposite sex. It was just, it was a very, very disgusting place. And because of all the stuff traveling in, I mean, huge city, people coming in and out, constantly going, there was opportunities for all of this filth to flow out of that temple and into the church. I mean, the church in Ephesus was essentially right across the street from this. You know, so they really, really had to stand firm in, in God. They had to stand firm in the word of God in order to resist these temptations. They had to buck up and show, like, hey, we, we, we've got to stand together in God to make it through this, you know. Now, I know they've got their own letter in the book of Revelation, but I, I am glad to say that he didn't call them out for giving in to those sexual desires. He just says, hey, you got to, you got to learn what your first love was. But, <clears throat> you know, Ephesus had to really show, we can look at Ephesus and see a good way of standing firm. Um, we are also today looking at some of those same things. You know, we are under attack. Our families are under attack. This church is under attack. Everyone's under attack from all different places. And there are so many different instruments that Satan's using. He's using people. 
2 Timothy 4, 3, Paul says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Jude, verse 4 says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And then in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Peter says, But false prophets also, also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed, and in their, greedy, in their greed they will exploit, exploit you with false words, their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. We have to be looking all around. Um, going along with this, the false teachers, y'all trusted God and, and took a chance with me and my wife. You know, you accepted us into your church and we are so thankful because I would dare not do any of this mess but you took the chance of someone being a false teacher to come and, and try to implant these these disgusting themes these ideas of you know exploiting the church for your own benefit your own gain and stuff like that but one thing that I have seen is that y'all stand firm Think, I'm, I'm so thankful, I'm going a little tangent, I'm so thankful that y'all trusted us to come and, and have this time with you, but you, you stood firm, you truly stand firm still, and we're to stand firm in order to protect ourselves and also the people around us, okay? We have to protect our friends, our family, our loved ones. You know, Satan does not discriminate on who he attacks. He attacks 100% of the people 100% of the time. And I know that kind of dips down. If he's got you where he wants you, he doesn't have any need to kind of keep poking you along. But <clears throat> needless to say, he is going to harass us constantly, and we need to be ready for that. We need to be firmly planted, not shaken, not weak. We need to be firmly planted. So then, that brings me to the third and final question. How do we stand firm? And now if y'all turn to Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 10 through 18. <clears throat> Here, Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians, to the church in Ephesus. And Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance uh, 
making supplication for all the saints. We have to have God. We have to have the whole armor of God. None of that list of armor can be left out and us be prepared. We have to have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. We have to have the shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. We have to have it all. If one is taken out, then it's just like the, uh, the weak link in a chain. Chain's only as strong as the weakest link. And when we leave a part out, it's like taking a piece of that armor off. It's literally taking a piece of that armor off and it's leaving a vulnerable place in us. We, we take a place and we, we open a space for him to squirm his way in. But that's how we stand firm. We stand firm through God. We put on the armor of God. Now I want to key in real quick on that last verse, verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with a prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That very end right there, making supplication for all the saints. Paul is telling them, don't just focus on you. Don't focus on the church. Focus on all the brothers, all of the sisters, all, all of the believers, the, the whole big C church, the family, all of the saints. And along with the armor of God, I believe everyone in here can speak to this as, you know, this is a family. This is a family of God. And we need each other. We, we need each other. We need God ultimately, but I know that there's several, several occasions. Miss Tina, we, we, she talked to the youth just a minute ago in discipleship training, discipleship training about having your circle and who's in your circle and being able to take that circle and call on that circle when you need help. And she used a verse, Ecclesiastes 4.12, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. And, you know, the more the merrier. I mean, especially when it comes to a, a, a faith family. You know, I, I love that there are so many people in this church that I know if I needed them at midnight tonight that I could call them and they would drop what they're doing and they would come and help me. And I want all of y'all to know that I'm the same way. But we have to do this with each other. We can't do it alone. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. It's easy to be a friend. It's easy to be a friend. But to be a brother, to be able to, to be willing to stand in the gap, to help support someone, to be a shoulder to lean on, you know, that's, that's where we all need brothers and sisters that are like that. Um, so that brings me to the end. If everyone will bow their heads real quick and say a prayer. Father, we, we come to you today, and uh, Lord, we just, we thank you 
so much for being there for us. We thank you for, for being there to support us, God. We thank you for being there to help us to stand firm, for giving us your armor that we may take your armor up and to fight, fight the good fight, Father. I thank you so much for a, a church family, but also for a big C church family that we can rely on each other, that we can call on each other no matter what's needed, Lord. And as Miss Lisa starts playing softly, Father, I pray that you just, you open everyone's heart tonight, Father, to, to look in and examine themselves, Lord, to see where, where we each fall short, where we have something that we can work on, Lord. And I pray that you reveal that to us and that you show us exactly how we can fix that through you, Lord. We need you in order to fix it, God. And I pray that you just, you convict us all of showing where we, we fall short in standing firm for you, Lord. This altar is open. Lord, I pray that you just, you move tonight, Lord. I love you, God. And I pray that you just, if anyone feels the need to come, pray at this altar. Altar's open. I'm here to pray with you.